for the best Ravens coverage. It's time for News from the Nest with Vinny and Haney. Sponsored by Hillside Lawn Service, the experienced lawn care specialists. 1057 The Fan. Vinny and Haney, 1057 The Fan News from the Nest. Tino Stones having a monster. 2023 season leads the NFL with six interceptions and was on NFL Network Radio. Gino was. It was asked about the pass rush having an impact on his six picks. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a good thing for me, you know, because, um, you know, got the quarterback thinking a lot. Don't really know really where the pressure is going to come from. And then, you know, he makes one bad mistake, send us the protection one way, and we get the pressure there, and he tries to force something, you know, and to stop that threat that's not there. And, you know, I, I kind of give my opportunities to make plays in the ball. So, like you said, you know, it's really the guys up front, whoever is rushing or whatever it is, you know, making the quarterback make wrong decisions just for me to go out there and make plays. Tell you what, Bob, he's playing like with so much confidence right now in the back end. So much confidence. And he's seeing it and he's he's right. I mean, you know, because Geno Smith, on his interception, Geno Smith changes the play at the line of scrimmage because he sees a blitz coming. And the secondary is playing cover two back there. And he was throwing the go route, right? You know, I mean, basically it was right to Geno Stone. So I mean, that's that's a Mike McDonald interception. Um, and he had a chance. In, if he'd have been maybe two inches taller, he'd have picked that uh, last play of the game, you know, when he tried to hit Metcalf. You know, that he made a good play on that one. And he, he made a hell of a play on the um, the pass, what, on third down when he came up and tackled. Instinctively, he's playing so well. And was also Geno Stone talking about the game in his, what, fourth year now out of mm-hmm. Iowa, has the game slowed down for you at this stage? Yeah, definitely. I, definitely the refs helped me a lot, you know, getting experience the past few years. Uh, you know, I started seven games last year, so getting that experience a lot really helped me. And then, like you said, I feel like the game's kind of slowing down. Um, you know, I feel like I'm starting to pick up on little things that, you know, I haven't probably would have had before I first got into the league. But, um, you know, I had some great vets to give me some little details and things like that. You know, I got great coaches as well that's, and uh, help me get better with my, just my eye discipline and uh, slowing the game down for me. Yeah, and, and I mean the game does look much because Bob. I mean, I think he was four six five. He plays fast, you know. And and when you're thinking, you can't play fast. He ain't thinking. He's reacting, and uh, he's seeing things. He's reading quarterback eyes, and he's making plays, and he's showing a good burst and everything. Right now, you, you know. It, it, you couldn't put – if Marcus Williams gets healthy, Bob, and he's just playing with one arm, it wouldn't be right to take out Stone the way he's playing and the way the defense is playing in there right now. Yeah, Marcus Williams, playmaker himself, but to your point, he's got the what, the pack, the shoulder, whatever it is, pack, yeah. where he can't extend, nope. and he's coming back from a hamstring where he can't run, and Geno Stone is just taking it to another level. I'm not saying he's at Reed – but he's playing like a little mini Ed Reed right now. Yeah. He, the biggest thing he's doing, he's making plays, you know, and that, and he's making plays in the run. He's making plays all over the field is what he's doing. I mean, 26 shows up. When when you're watching the Ravens, 26 shows up. Fitty and Haney, 105.7 The Fan News from the Nest. Ravens defense showing up. It's showing up in a big way. And I've been – Tough task, let's just say, against Cleveland on Sunday. But how's that defensive chemistry right now, Gino? 
Yeah, no, it's been fun this year. You know, I got a great group of guys out there. Um, I get to go work with every day. Um, you know, I feel like we're starting to gel well together right now, and it's starting to show a lot. You know, with our rush and our coverage, and um, just the way we play out there. You know, on, on defense. Um, you know, I feel like this is a special group, and we really don't have most of our guys. I mean, we we got some guys we still get back. You know, Marcus hopefully coming back soon. So I feel like um, you know it's just going to get better from here, and we got to keep uh, continue to do it day in and day out each week. So um, I feel like it's definitely a great group right now. I think they got an excellent group. And, and I think, you know, like Clowney, it looks like he's having fun. Van Noy's having fun. I mean, you know, and I, I just, when you're having success, you have fun because people are, people are doing good things and you're playing well and you're winning games. So, I mean, how could you not? You win four in a row. Everybody's happy, you know, when they go into that locker room. But the, the, the timing that they have with their blitz packages and rush, they're hitting it like, Right. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable how fast they're hitting the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I mean, I, I saw Michael Pierce dropping back. You know, I mean, you don't know, like like um, Gino said, you don't know who's coming and who's going. Yeah, Michael Pierce had, what, two pass defense yeah. on Sunday against Seattle. Now, Mike McDonald, he's the defensive coordinator. He was in Baltimore, then went to Ann Arbor for a year with Jim Har or John Harbaugh, rather. Jim Harbaugh. Jim. Now, he's back. He's doing some really good things. And how do you guys feel about your D.C.? Yeah, no, Mike's done a great job. I mean, since he got here, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's a great defense because we send so many guys at the same time. Uh, we show one thing, and we could play, like, four different coverages out of it. So, like – we really keep the offense on their toes, and they really know what we're going to uh, go to. So, um, you know, we're trying to get them to set set a certain protection or whatever it is, and depending on down and distance and things like that, you know, he, he's been putting a great game plan together for us and it has been showing uh, what his game plan has been doing because we're going out there and executing it. Yeah, and you got to have – I mean, if I'm a player and we're holding teams down to whatever I, – I'm, Coach, what do we got next week? It's, I know it's going to be good. You know, because they've been consistently good. I mean, Mike McDonald and Bob, I don't know him, but it seems like he is smart as a whip, mm -hmm. you know, at least football-wise. It just seems like the stuff they come up with is unbel unbelievable, you know, and the assistant coaches that he's got with him. But they, they come up with game plans and the ability to attack weaknesses of the def of the offenses and stuff. I mean, to me, they're they're doing a phenomenal job right now. All right, two things. With Michigan's head coaching situation maybe questionable in the coming months here, and with Mike McDonald being there two years ago as the DC. Yep. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, where does Mike McDonald maybe rate in regards to who you be asking to replace? Because, yeah. you know, it looks like Michigan probably been afford a loss is probably going to the playoffs again, mm -hmm. which would be the third straight year. So the bar is obviously really high. Where would uh, Mike McDonald fit in? If you're Michigan looking to replace Jim Harbaugh again, assuming he leaves the only, the only negative that I would see Bob is, is do they want anybody that's been involved with this stuff at all? That's the only negative. Otherwise you would think that he would rate highly and if you're Mike McDonald, you're probably going to get, and if the Ravens continue to play as is and finish out strong, um, he'll be a candidate. And you know who else is going to be a, a head coaching candidate in the NFL? Schwartz. 
who's leading Schwartz-y. Cleveland's de- yeah, who's leading Cleveland's defense. But back to McDonald in Michigan, I don't I don't know because he's got some dirt on him from that. You know, that would be the only negative. They might want to just distance like from the regime. Yeah, and, and Bob, the other thing is Ward Manuel, you look at basketball, Michigan alum. Hockey, Michigan alum. Football, Michigan alum. You know, he seems to AD Ward Manuel, Michigan alum. They like their Michigan men. Maybe uh, Rick Leach is looking for a job this offseason. And with Gino, Sto- <laughs> Gino Stone, you know, he's hitting free agency. And we talk about Queen and others being able to afford them. Where's Gino now fit into the pecking order? Because you're already paying Williams. And you know Hamilton's getting a big payday in a couple of years himself. Yeah. I, I guess what you'd have to do, Bob, is look at, can you get out of Williams's deal? I don't Because this will be year three of his deal. You know, I don't know. Just because he hadn't played much football for the the reason Geno Stone is being Geno Stone is because Williams has been hurt. Right. You know, otherwise is because Williams, before he got hurt his first year here, he was leading the league in interceptions. Yeah, last year. Broke his yeah. wrist, I believe it yeah. was. So I but if you could get one a lot cheaper, I don't Geno Stone's not gonna be a fortune, you know. I mean, he's gonna make He's going to make himself a decent amount of money. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We'll come back. Count money ourselves. Hopefully, a little buy or sell fun coming your way. Talk some college football about that Michigan thing with Michael Felder. Stay tuned for that. Going to hear from Kyle Van Noy as well. Got an NFL lunch coming up at 1 o'clock. Look at Vinny's feeble five. Gave you the dirty dozen. 12 best teams in the NFL through. Nine weeks led by the Eagles. Ravens coming in at number two. Who are the five worst teams? You'll find out then. And then Rich Dubroff, BaltimoreBaseball.com. Talk some Orioles. Mike Elias, Executive of the Year, as named by Major League Baseball. Brandon Hyde and Gunnar Henderson, honors candidates as well. Are you buying? Great cash, homie. Or are you selling? I'm not going to buy into that crap. Sponsored by Window Nation. There's so much to love about the fall, especially the return of Window Nation's best offer of the year. Get two windows free for every two you buy. Plus, pay nothing for two years. Call 866-90NATION or online at windownation.com. 1057 The Fed. It is Turn It Up Tuesday. Cranking the tunes up to 12. Anything you want to hear loud, we'll play it. Send a request to Nolan on the Plaza for text line. Plenty going on in the world of sports. We'll get to as much as we can. But right now, let's turn up the money by yourself. All right, Bob. I got a green phone. The Dow's up 45. The S&P's up 7. NASDAQ's up 102. Uh, DraftKings is up 60 cents, 35.70. Uh, Under Armour's up a dime, 676. All right, let's start here in the NFL of all the games on the Week 9 schedule. I don't think anyone thought Buccaneers versus Texans would be arguably the best, but that was the case, mostly thanks to C.J. Stroud, who put on a show five touchdowns, 470 yards. He now has 14 touchdowns on the year and just one interception. That's almost unfathomable for a rookie. Uh, Four wins for Houston as well, so he's starting to get recognition. People already crowning him Offensive Rookie of the Year, but Vinny, let's go a step further. Buy or sell. Stroud should be in the MVP conversation as well. Sell. Sell it. Um, 
I, I you got to have a better unless he takes his team into the playoffs and, or something, you know. But they're sitting what four and four, and he's playing. I, I think he's a lock right now to be the rook, offensive rookie of the year. How about a little baseball here? Last week, Nelson Cruz announced that he'll be retiring from Major League Baseball after a 19-year career. Been the model of longevity in recent years, racking up 30 homers well into his 40s. Uh, finishes his career with 464 homers, four Silver Slugger awards. Being real here, we love him in Baltimore because of the 2014 season. <laughs> extreme outside chance of making the Hall of Fame. I'll say extreme outside chance, but a chance nonetheless. But buy or sell, Bob, his involvement in the 2013 biogenesis scandal eliminates any hope he has at the Hall. Oh, I'm buying that 100%. Got suspended. 60 games. I mean, he was linked to performance enhancers, which right now is uh, frowned upon by the Hall of Fame voters. And to your point, he was a long shot to get in anyway. Hey, but Harold Baines got in for longevity, putting up some numbers. But his linkage to that will keep him out of Cooperstown. And yes, they should have never let him leave after 2014. That's a whole nother yeah. debate. Uh, back to the NFL here. The Commanders managed to pull out a win just days after trading two of their defensive cornerstones. But on the offensive side of the ball, Sam Howell called upon to throw the ball 45 times, even though... From what I saw, their run game was actually working pretty well. Still, though, he threw it 45 times. He was good enough for them to win. And that kind of performance caught the attention of teammate Jonathan Allen, who said, quote, I feel like we found our quarterback for the next five to ten years. Not only does he make great plays on the field, but his demeanor after bad plays and not playing well, he's always able to bounce back. Vinny, are you buying or selling that Howell has shown enough to be considered the commander's quarterback of the future. I'm going to I'm going to soft buy. And the only reason I say that is is because they're going to have one enough games where they're kind of in no man's land. They're not going to be able to get one and then can you get one in the second, third, fourth better than how? You know, I mean that's they that's where they're kind of in limbo. But a little NBA here. The trade for Damian Lillard made the Bucks among the favorites in the East, probably even more than they already were when you got a uh, multi-time MVP like Giannis still on the court. But so far through six games, the results have been pretty up and down. One hand, you have the Greek freak who I just mentioned, known for his defense almost just as much as his scoring ability. But Lillard... A defensive liability, outstanding offensive player, but defense always been an issue for him in his career. The duo, they have a lot of games left to play. Again, like I said, they're only six games into the season here, but buy or sell, Bob, the lack of defensive skills for Lillard will hinder Milwaukee in the long run. Uh, I'll sell it because he can make it up with his offensive performance, but Drew Holiday, the guy he's essentially replacing, is one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and you've seen Boston's defensive metrics go up because of it. Like you said, only six games in. You know, right now, you know, Milwaukee has a negative point differential. Bad. Brooke Lopez is kind of slow. Chris Middleton's coming back from knee surgery, so they're not clicking on all cylinders yet. But Dame time. We'll be big in the postseason. And we'll close with this. DJ Moore uh, got off to an incredibly hot start this year with his new team. 
531 yards, five touchdowns in his first five games. But since Justin Fields went down with his injury, uh, more it's it's taken a hit on him. He hasn't turned in one of those big monster games, hasn't found the end zone in four weeks, as a matter of fact. Uh, and as good as all he as good as he was all those years in Carolina, surprisingly never made a Pro Bowl team in his career. Buy or sell, Vinny. Despite quarterback changes, Moore will make his first Pro Bowl team this season. Mm. I'll buy it. You know, I'll buy it because I think he'll have a strong finish because I think Fields is due back and Fields loves to throw it to him. More, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? Remember that song? It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We got more Michael Felder coming up next. Talk some college football with him. Some interesting, epic matchups. Hyperbole alert in college football this week. What the hell's happened in Maryland? Terps going to Nebraska, loses a four in a row. I said before the Northwestern game, if they lose the Northwestern, they won't win another game. And I'm sticking with that one. So we'll talk to Michael about that. Going to hear from Kyle Van Noy later in the hour. If you want to get in, you can at 410-583-105. Five, seven expectations for Maryland basketball this year with Kevin Willard year two Mike Elias executive of the year you got a problem with that and the Ravens are seven to two some say the best team in the AFC are you agreeing with that I don't see how you can disagree with it quite frankly the one station with inside access to all Baltimore sports 1057 the fan Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Here on this Turn It Up Tuesday, cranking it up to 12. Some flash for you, chosen by the people. 410-583-1057 is the number. Maryland Hoops tonight, taking on Mount St. Mary's. You can hear that starting at 6, 7 o'clock tip. Mount St. Mary's, Maryland 20.5-point favorites. Looking to uh, level up from that second-round appearance last year. Maryland football, well... They're at Nebraska, and they're two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cornhuskers. Winner of this one becomes bowl eligible. Some epic matchups as well throughout the landscape of college football. Believe it or not, Week 11 joining us now to talk about that and more. It's Vinny and Haney, Bob Haney, Vinny Serrato, Nolan McGraw. He's on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. He's our friend and yours. He's Michael Felder. Michael, what's happening? Man, I am doing fantastic. It, it's good to be here, and man, we got there's a lot going on, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Well, we're going to start with the Terps because they've been uh, getting rocked and doing a lot of rolling over. It seems yeah. in the fourth quarter of games, you know, offensive line struggles, well documented inconsistencies with the turnovers and the penalties and the boneheaded plays. The play calling has been under scrutiny. Josh Gaddis, in particular, from Maryland fans and media alike. They've lost four in a row since they were leading at Ohio State in the third quarter a month ago. It has been all downhill. Michael, how surprised are you that Maryland has kind of bottomed out the way that they have in the last month? Very surprised because I, I like this is a team that I mean the fifty-one to fifteen. That's really rough, man. You get it. Listen, when you throw a pound drum up there, that's rough. And uh, so I, I look at that, but it's also it's it's when the penalties happen. Which is huge. Which I don't. I don't think we talk about that nearly enough with respect to football. When the penalties happen is important because, I mean, we've seen it in, in, in not just Maryland games, we've seen it in other games where it's like, oh, we can get off the field, and then all of a sudden we have this bonehead penalty, whether it's a false start or an offsides or this, and all of a sudden now we're, I guess we're just going to stay out here, or I guess we go from <laughs> third and two to third and ten or third and twelve, excuse me. So like that's the part that is frustrating and. 
I will say this, and, and I hope folks understand when I say this, and this is something I picked up from God, I had I was a kid at this point, uh, from Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden can live with penalties of aggression. He can always live with penalties of aggression, but penalties of lack of discipline, and that's what we're seeing a lot of times are lack of discipline penalties. So that's going to be an interesting part for me. Um, you look at the rest of the schedule, and, yes, they're going to go to a bowl game. The question becomes, what does it look like? Because – in theory, this is, they could finish two and one. Nebraska, Michigan, Rutgers, they probably lose to Michigan, but they beat Nebraska, they beat Rutgers, but those games are both on the road. So it becomes a taller task to go to Nebraska and win. A Nebraska team that we're watching right now kind of, I'm not going to say coming to their own, but a Nebraska team that's fighting for the same thing that Maryland's fighting for, right? They both have five wins. They're like, this is going think, to, I think this weekend's going to be a rock fight. And we'll see what that looks like. And then a Rutgers team, you throw Rutgers in there, and Rutgers under Shiano, they've been remarkably disciplined. They're already bowl eligible. They are they like they played thirty five minutes with Ohio State. Same thing that the Terps did, right? So this is gonna be a really interesting football game as we as we look at this other part, this like middle of the big of the Big Ten East. Now let's get out west and, uh, you know, USC. We know Caleb Williams' expectations were high for him to maybe repeat as Heisman first guy, only guy, since Archie Griffin did it, uh, you know, almost 50 years ago. But, you know, they're doing their part, I guess, Michael, offensively, but defensively, not so much. Going back to Lincoln Riley's days in Oklahoma. Where's the disconnect with him where he can take a quarterback and literally make them Heisman Trophy winners? He's done that multiple times. But why can't he find a defense that's competitive and at least is you know somewhat duplicate of what the offense can do here? So I, here, here's the thing. Here's where I've come around on this. And I was talking to my guys, a couple guys from ACC Network, actually, Roddy Jones, Eric McLean, and we did talk a little West Coast, and then I was talking to my folks at BetQL, and what I've come around to is the fact that maybe Lincoln Riley's not that good. And you talk about it, right? But, like, you guys also do NFL. What do you think of the quarterbacks he's put into the NFL? Well, Baker's, okay. Journeyman. Uh, Kyler Murray, we'll see, coming back from an injury they here. Do, they definitely don't want him in, in Arizona <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so what do you say it? Michael Felder, he's a little bit overrated even in quarterback development for the next level? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as Jim Harbaugh, right? Like, Jim Harbaugh had Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck was an actual very good NFL quarterback, but, like, at the end of the day, you're not a quarterback whisperer. You just had a guy that actually did it, and he hasn't had a guy that's actually done it because once those guys get there, they can't do it. And, listen, I know somebody I, – I guarantee someone on your text line or something is going to be like, well, what about Jalen Hurts, Super Bowl winner? You show me another Lincoln Riley quarterback that's squatting 700 pounds – and I'll I'll go there with you, but that's Bama built. He just happened to go to Alabama to finish his season up because Tua was so good. And so he's not a Lincoln Riley prospect. He is a, a Nick Saban Alabama guy, same as Tua. So the big thing for me that I look at with this is I don't think Caleb. I think Caleb is. I think I don't think he's getting better. I think he's doing a lot of the same things that he's been doing, which is going to be an interesting prospect. And then when you flip it over to the defensive side. The reason I bring up the offense to get to the defense is if you let Caleb Williams, if you let Caleb freestyle instead of making him play within the structure of the offense, and I know you guys are going to hate this, but I was talking to Ryan Shazier about this, and I know he's a Steelers guy, they played Ohio State, but at the end of the day, he was like, in the NFL, you do have to play within a structure of an offense to get better, 
instead of freelancing, and that's what we're seeing a lot out of Caleb Williams is still freelancing, flip it over to the defensive side of the ball, and what we're seeing is guys freelancing. You guys know this. Ravens, like Steelers, you guys know this. You have to all fit inside of a structure, otherwise the entire house will fall apart. Everyone has to be a part of the foundation. If you're the corners, if you're the safeties, the defensive backfield, they have to work within the structure, right? Like if that's the house, if that's the roof of your house, it better be it better be airtight, it better be watertight, so you're good to go. And if your linebackers are the house, listen, they better be plumb. And they better be ready to rock and roll. And if your defensive line, if that's the foundation, it better be it better be ready to go. It better be fully the footings better be dug. You better have everything set up and. It seems like there's a lot of guys just out there kind of freelancing and not, you know, it's like, hey, man, we'll just build this house on this dirt. And you're like, you can't do that. You can't live like that. And obviously, Grinch got fired. We'll see who he hires next. But at the end of the day, I think it's a matter of caring. I thought about this a lot with Mike Leach, RAP, but I thought about this a lot with Mike Leach when he was at um, at, at Texas Tech. And then obviously, Mike Leach comes, or Alex Grinch came from Mike Leach when he was at Washington State. And Lincoln Riley was able to hire him. And I think this is going to be one of those things where you just you have to tell these guys that you don't get to do what you want to do, which is what I love about Brent Venables, even though I know that they're having some problems at Oklahoma. The reality of it is is Venables would rather lose with um, – he'd rather lose with walk-ons than win um, – than lose with, with his starters in the game not doing their job. Hey, Michael, let me ask you this. Marcus Freeman. When I look at Marcus Freeman, I see good recruiter, good face of the program – but I don't know that he's a good coach. And the other thing that disappointed me about him when he got the job at Notre Dame, no experienced guys that he brought on the staff where you look at Dion brings in all his experienced guys. Yeah. The experience is critical in Clemson. I mean, goodness gracious. I live, I live six minutes from South Carolina. That state needed this weekend in a big way. Yeah. So it was huge for them. But on the other side with, with Freeman, the reality of it is, is he's still learning how to be a head coach. Yep. And obviously Cincinnati was a completely different situation than Notre Dame. He got this Notre Dame job and it's a big job and he is a good recruiter and he does get kids excited about playing football for him. And these guys do want to play and they have, and even bringing Hartman in uh, from Wake Forest, they have some explosive plays, but the reality of it is to me is, is that these guys like they, like, there is some undisciplinedness, and I don't think the coaches, and again, I'll reference Venables again, I don't think that they're like, we're going to bench you if you don't do this right. If you don't do it right, we're going to bench you. And I think he's still, because he's such a good recruiter, balancing that is really hard. And I'll I'll flip it back to Clemson. Dabo's having a really hard time balancing that. And you know who used to balance that for Venables? Or excuse me, balance that for Dabo? Venables. Venables. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of one of the big problems. And it's a, it's a, listen, it's not just these programs. It's a massive problem across college football where things that would get you fired in the NFL, these guys get to stay on the field for doing it. Michael, let me ask you this. What's your opinion on the Michigan situation? And what do you think they should do? I, I, at the start, I didn't care that much. Right. And then I was listening. I, I started thinking more about it. And I was listening again. I talked to Ryan Shazier. Talked to him. I talked to him about it because I want to get like you know a high level football player. What do you think? Like how much of a? I wanted to hear what how much of an advantage it gives you. 
And obviously we know about the Patriots, right? And Deflate Gate, not Deflate Gate, the um the sideline when they were filming from the sidelines for the Super Bowl. Spygate. Spygate, there it is. Thank you. You got me. But it's it's about because when you when you play for a few that don't know, when you play football, you get a dossier of what this team does with every personnel package, every formation, all this stuff. You get all that. So you already know they're seventy five percent running when they have two tight ends in the game, or they're 85% passing when they're in 11 personnel. They do all these things, right? And when they get in this formation, these are their top three plays. You know all those things. And Chase, you brought up a great point. He goes, but if you can go from being 35% right to 75% right because you know what the call is, that's a huge difference. And so I do think that's a big thing. Now, what do they do? Honestly, I don't want any of these kids to be punished for this. That's my biggest – that's where I stand on. I will stand on this all day. I don't want any of these kids to be punished because those kids didn't ask for this. Those kids didn't pay for this guy to, to go to these games. These kids didn't do it. So I think the only answer is a fine. It's got to be a fine because you can't put a bowl suspension on these kids who didn't have anything to do with it. You can't put a scholarship restriction on these kids who had nothing to do with it. So you got to find the people in charge, the school – you got to find the, the head coach who's already been suspended. <laughs> you got to find the school, the head coach. You got to ban this guy. I don't know how you ban him either. Like, what he puts on a fake mustache, he can still go to the game anyway. This is good. <laughs> but, like, I think you have, I think the only answer is a fine. And I think that moves us into a new world in college football where you do start to find specific people who are making these decisions. Michael Felder, tell our listeners about where they can watch, read, listen to you. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be on the. Actually, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be on Max, formerly known as HBO Max. I'll be on that next week on Tuesday, doing the reaction show to the playoff selection, and you can find that on streaming, also on the the Bleacher Report app, and then obviously I've got the Substack. It's Felder, and check me out on College Sports Now via Learfield. It's on every single podcast app you can find. Michael Felder, appreciate your time Thanks, as Michael. always. Enjoy the rest of your Turn It Up Tuesday. All right, man. I'm about to turn up, too. Let's go. Let's do it. Michael Felder, everybody. It's VD at 81057, the Fed. Come back and reset for you. We got NFL lunch coming up at 1 o'clock. Feeble 5, who are the five worst teams in the NFL through nine weeks? The Jets lost last night to the Chargers, 27-6. Where does that place them, if at all? And then Rich Dubroff, BaltimoreBaseball.com. Mike Elias, he was named Executive of the Year, Major League Baseball. And the offseason is upon us. Got the general manager meetings happening this week and the winter meetings coming up in about a month. Their experience in sports varies. Of course, uh, Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 Fan. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. NFL lunch coming up here in a few minutes. Missed last night. Monday Night Football is heard on The Fan. Who's the Chargers 27-6 over the Jets? Going to hear from Zach Wilson, Q's favorite quarterback. Justin Herbert, who's a good quarterback. Robert Sala, hot seat guy, maybe. I mean, they yeah. whiffed on the Zach Wilson draft. Oh, that's no obvious. You know what the problem was? They fell in love with him out at the workout. That's that's what happens, man, when you, you don't. And you got to do your homework on the guy. To find out, you know, about him as a person and everything else. He was extremely immature coming in. You know, and I think Aaron Rodgers has helped him a lot. But, you know, 
he's not going to – I mean, Bob, what you see right now, I don't know how he can play in the NFL. I mean, he's third year in the league. To put it in perspective, and I don't know if it's fair or not, Lamar was unanimous MVP in his second year. Yeah. And he was the last pick in the first round. This kid was the second pick in the draft. Well, compare him with Stroud. Stroud was the second pick in yes, the draft this past did. year. You and know, and monster season. Yeah. And who was was that? The Lawrence year, right? Trevor Lawrence went number one, and he's leading a team that might be, you know, serious Super Bowl contenders yeah. this year, certainly moving forward. But we'll hear about their woes coming up. In NFL lunch, but let's get back to the Ravens a little bit here. Kyle Van Noy was on Pat McAfee yesterday. He's a weekly contributor, it seems, to Pat McAfee's program. And here he is talking about a guy we were uh, praising earlier in the show, Mike McDonald. What I'll say about Mike McDonald is he's impressed me, is he's always trying to be great. I don't want to go into too much detail, but... There's something that he came into the meeting room on Monday after the Arizona game that he took kind of some blame for, and it was kind of unexpected. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. And then for him to go into this next game and kind of correct what he was saying from the Arizona game, because uh, I don't want to like spill the beans, but Please the don't. fact that he was able to diagnose kind of, I guess, his mess up or whatever you want to call it. And then to be able to go into this game and correct it. Uh, to me, that was probably, he took the heat for them getting criticized, you know, his defense and whatever he changed and fixed. And I, I think it was, you know, got his players some rest and they had some uh, intensity and they came home and, you know, they had some juice in their legs. That's That, to me, looked more like it than anything else, you know, schematically. Yeah, because DeMarcado for Arizona was kind of running on him a little bit. And last week or two days ago, you know, Kenneth Walker III, they had a non-existent running game against that Ravens defense. And he's 100 times better back than DeMarcado. You know, in Vanoy, I thought he stunk against Arizona, Bob. I mean, you know, he was getting pancaked and he just looked slow. And in this last game, you know, he looked back to normal. He looked like he was fresh and ready to play, and he played well. He was out there wreaking havoc against Geno Smith, and that Seattle offense and the Ravens, they're cooking on all cylinders right now, especially on defense. So Kyle Van Noy is talking to Pat McAfee about team chemistry, 7-2. and two. The team's been awesome. You know, it's a good combination of veterans and uh, younger guys and guys that are in contract years that have some years uh, in the league. And it's just been a really good mix. And honestly, it's been fun and exciting. There's a buzz in the building. Guys are ready to work every day. And they're hungry. They're hungry for success. When, like I always say, when you're winning, uh, you know, and they've won four in a row, things are good in the building. Everybody's happy. And it's a lot easier when you're on those kind of runs, you know, it's easier to get into the weight room, get your extra lifts in, do extra film work, all those kind of things, because you are winning and you're playing well and, and you know, and you're getting better. So you want to do those things because the light at the end of the tunnel, you see that, hey, listen, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs. We got to, you know, whereas uh, some of those, like the Giants guys, you know, all of a sudden maybe – 
they're not lifting as much and they're they start to kind of shut it down a little bit because you know they got their golf clubs packed you know in that last game well, Kave Noy's got five sacks, and he's been wreaking some havoc since he came to the Ravens organization. But are you a leader? Do you have a role as a leader on this team? I think Roe, I knew he was the leader. You have Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, who's been here for a while. Um, for me, I don't think they had that in the edge room. You know, Jadavion, he's been in the league for a while. Jadavion is a dog, though. Like Dion says, there's dogs and there's leaders. Jadavion is actually both, but I lean more to the leader side. And I just try to help the guys as much as possible. On the In the edge room is what he said there, stressing that. Yeah, in the edge room with Oway and Ajabo and those guys. And, well, they got all, all it's all young guys well, other I than mean, those two. Well, Bowser's been around for a while. I, guess I don't he's even know not if he's there. in a room. <laughs> right. But you got Ajabo, Oway, you got the uh, Harrison, and you got, uh, what, Robinson? So you got a bunch of young dudes in there. And like he said, Clowney's both. And he doesn't consider himself a dog. I don't consider him a dog. I consider him kind of a, a finesse, smart player. Now, leadership on offense. Lamar Jackson is that guy in Van Noy. You noticed it, haven't you? LJ's cool as man. I like LJ a lot. He's, he's just been a real one. He's like who you want as a leader and the quarterback. Doesn't say too much, but he's he's really an amazing person and so so fun to hang and chill with and you know crack jokes with. LJ's been great and honestly he's an awesome leader too. I don't think he gets enough credit of how good of a leader he is. And it doesn't always have to be the raw raw speeches. It's his work and his work ethic. I, to me, that that's good to hear because that was questioned last year some, you know, watching the film because we were playing video games all the time and stuff. And I guess ever since, you know, he got that new contract and, you know, he's, he's studying, he's spending more time. And plus the other thing is he's more responsible for a lot more things offensively. You know, I mean, Todd has given him, you know, the ability to do a lot of things offensively. So you got to study, you got to be ready to go. Otherwise, you know, you get that taken back from you. So I, I think Todd showing trust and faith in him, you know, makes you want to go play and win and do the extra things that you need to. Because like, if you're sitting there, Bob, say it's last year, G Rose, the coordinator, and he doesn't trust you to do anything. The hell do I, you, you, you're telling me everything I got to do. You know I mean? You know, I, I can't even make changes at the line of scrimmage. It's video hitting 105.7 The Fan NFL Lunch coming up in a matter of minutes. Chargers over the Jets. We're going to hear from the parties involved there. We're going to hear more from John Harbaugh as well, who met with the media as he does every Monday after a Ravens ball game. We're going to talk about the five worst teams in the NFL, otherwise known as Vinny's Feeble Five. Gave it the dirty dozen. The best teams, 12, led by Philly. Baltimore coming in at number two. But who are the five worst teams? Stay tuned for that. And Rich Dubroff, Baltimore baseball.com talks some Orioles with him as Mike Elias was named today as executive of the year in 2023 major league baseball. And what's this offseason going to look like for the birds? 